Hey guys, welcome back to the Tokes Talks podcast. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. I hope you guys are having an amazing week so far. And this week, I want to talk to you about self-preservation. And this episode is kind of me speaking to myself because I'm sure you guys know and have heard me say, if you've listened to a few of my episodes, that self-preservation over everything (laughs) is the goal. And lately, I've been really redirecting my thoughts on the matter. I don't know why, I don't know how I came to this conclusion, but this is a growth process, not just for me. Well, not just for you guys who listen, but also for me. And through my growth, I come to new conclusions and I share them with you guys because if I think it can be beneficial to even one person, then it's worth getting in your ears. So yeah, lately self-preservation over everything just doesn't seem cute. It doesn't seem it. And what I've come to determine is that moral preservation is important. Yes, I will not compromise my morals, my beliefs, what I hold true to my heart, to my being, to my faith, because if I compromise that, I compromise the bedrock on which my life stands. (laughs) And if I compromise the bedrock which my life stands and it crumbles underneath me, what do I really have to hold on to? Nothing, nothing worthwhile, in my opinion, at least. So moral preservation, yes. But self-preservation, not anymore. And the reason is because self-preservation can end up being a hindrance to the work that you should be doing. I usually set it in the contents of taking care of myself and putting myself first, But I think in general, the full concept of what self-preservation is, is kind of rooted in fear. It's rooted in risk aversion. It's rooted in stagnation in terms of the fact that people who really want to self-preserve want things to stay the same. They don't want things to change. They want to be in their comfort zone. What is a risk? Something that people who like self-preservation as a general don't really go for. And the fact that I've been feeling lately that it's really close to risk aversion. And you guys know how I feel about risks. I love to take me a good old risk. And I think all of you guys should love taking risks too because you're taking them whether you admit it or not. Because as I've said, everything is a risk. We just decide what our metric of importance is. And my favorite, favorite example of this is the nine to five versus entrepreneurial route discussion. And people who work nine to fives are looking at entrepreneurs and saying that is a risk. What if there's no success? What if there's no money? What if there's no stability? What if you ain't got dental and healthcare and all of these things? To them, their measure of importance is the stability of that nine to five job, of course, among other things. This is not all encompassing as nothing ever really is. So to them, it is a risk to go off on your own, venture out and see what you can get. Yes, I'm sure everybody sees successful entrepreneurial 
stories and it can be admirable, but that doesn't mean it's enough to want to do it. And on the flip side of that, an entrepreneur, and I can speak for myself personally, why one of the reasons why I left my nine to five was because of the fact that it was, it was a bunch of things. It was salary and Another thing was one of my bosses actually told me, oh, we need to have a discussion about you paying your dues. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) I'm not interested. And to me, it felt like before we can justify doing certain things for you, even if we know you deserve it, we need to get something in exchange, which is quid pro quo, which is life. I understand. But to me, it was a huge risk for me to sit there, especially when I had seen patterns of other people staying for a long time before they got partial accolades that I believe they deserved much earlier. It was a big risk for me to sit down and let somebody determine my value based on their metric of what they think I bring to their table when they don't know that I bring the whole table in many different ways, right? So that is a big risk for me. And that's because my independence and my freedom to grow any which way I I please is so important to me. That's why that was a risk. So nobody's really risk averse unless you do nothing. So yeah, what I was just thinking about the concept of self-preservation and the fact that it, it, it was reading as risk averse to me, I had to just get it out of the way. So I just wanted to talk to you guys, to you guys, English, about <laughs> some of the ways that self preservation can show up in your life and what it can look like and just really dig kind of deep into them so that you guys have a chance to reflect and determine if you're seeing this in your life and if you are decide whether or not you want to make a change if it's what you want to see or not so one of the ways that self-preservation can look like in your life is that it can look like you bracing yourself for impact when you're not even falling. And what this means is just getting in your own way, becoming scared of a possibility so much so that the thought of it happening, even when it's not happening, is determining the way you act or your lack of action. Could you imagine if every step you took when you walked on the street you were preparing to trip and land on your face. It sounds crazy when we think of it like that because you would literally be afraid of your own feet (laughs) when they moved. But in many other aspects of our lives, we, we look at something and we assume that there's a possibility that we might hate it if it were to happen. And based on the fact that we might hate it if it happens, we prepare in anxiety for the potential of it happening before it ever even starts and not just prepare for it happening prepare we prepare for it happening badly and that can be seen as self-preservation in the sense that you're protecting yourself you never want to fall like I sit here and tell you guys that I love risk and that does not negate the fact that I hate falling. I hate failing at anything. I hate feeling like I'm not enough. I hate putting in my all and somebody else telling me that, yes, you, you've given it everything you have and everything you have is still subpar and mediocre. It sucks. 
And I never want to sit here and ever preach this whole, yes, take risks and the importance of taking risks and act like I'm an adrenaline junkie who, who has no emotions and who doesn't feel it. Like I could sit here all day and tell you guys about the failures that I felt that have literally felt like someone took my stomach clenched it in a ball and then twisted it in circles like tragedy and heartbreak of all levels in all different directions from this type of failure. But at the same time, preserving my fear of failure so much so that I am stepping back from things in fear of the potential of failure before I even take my first step is not something that seems worthwhile to me. And I hope it's not something that seems worthwhile to you. This whole concept of this episode actually came up because I was having a conversation with someone who was saying, I'm going to hate this situation that I think I'm going to be in. And they didn't even know the situation maybe and maybe not would have happened. And they were already preparing for the fact that of they were sitting in the anxiety, the fear, the sadness, the disappointment of that 50-50 chance happening and them hating the outcome. And I was like, you cannot live your life bracing yourself for impact when you're not even falling yet. Because what you're really doing is you're taking all of this time that can be used for other things, anything at all. Like it could even be used for binging Netflix shows. This time that could be used for anything tangible now. And you are throwing yourself into a tailspin of anxiety over a situation that you don't even know if it's going to happen or not. And all that time you're wasting on this anxiety might be a complete waste because the thing you think would make you feel horrible may not even happen in reality. So that's a really important one. Like let's not get into the habit of failing in advance, hating in advance, hurting in advance, right? And uh, the second one is preparing yourself to avoid heartbreak before you even get into a relationship. Any type of relationship. This can be friendships because a friendship heartbreak sometimes <laughs> hurts way, way, way more than a relationship heartbreak. So feeling like you want to avoid pain, right? That's what self-preservation is. I want to preserve myself at the state in which I'm most comfortable. And happiness mellowness center is really where we're most comfortable. And on average, if we average out the highs and lows in the reality of life, we do spend a lot of time in the center anyway, right? But taking yourself out of the equation of a relationship that could be beneficial to you in any way, shape, or form because you're preserving your need to not experience heartbreak. So you will literally... And something before it begins to avoid a potential end that you would not like. Even though there is an option for another end that could be absolutely breathtaking, wonderful, fulfilling, happy, and great. Why are we breaking our hearts in advance? I don't get it. And this is one of those self-preservation defense mechanisms, right? I, I, 
I'm somebody who, as I told you guys, pain, pain sucks for me. I feel it very deeply. That's why I write poetry and I journal because it overwhelms my headspace very, very easily. And I'm not somebody who necessarily emotionally, um, verbally expresses my emotions to people. I'm more so someone who needs to get it out in other ways. Hence the writing, the journaling, the poetry, and even this podcast, like speaking to you guys and really talking through stuff is beneficial to me as well as you guys. I hope it's beneficial to you guys, of course. So like, Taking yourself out of that situation and saying, I don't want my heart to ever be broken again. And because I don't want my heart to ever be broken again, I am going to prepare myself to avoid heartbreak by also avoiding getting to know anyone deeply enough that they could break my heart, which also means you're avoiding getting to know anyone deep enough that they could touch your heart, change your life, and show you real love. And trust me, I I don't think I have another heartbreak in me, but I also say that loosely <laughs> because I hope I don't have another heartbreak in the cards for me, but I am not willing to preserve myself and defend myself from heartbreak so much, so, like more so than I want to experience great love. So my self-preservation isn't on that line. My moral preservation, on the other hand, could come into play with really helping me use certain radars and litmus tests to determine, to the best of my ability, of course, because people change and life is life and nobody is above anything, good or bad. Um, My moral preservation can really just help push me towards better discernment in in certain situations. But self-preservation will have you being reserved. So like self-preservation is self-reservation where you constantly take steps back. And the third way that it can look is suffering in silence because you don't want rejection. (laughs) And this is one of those that, oh my gosh, I am... I am anti, anti, anti silence. The amount of doors and opportunities that have opened up to me simply based on the fact that I have opened my mouth and asked for what I need will have me doing that forever. And rejection sucks, right? Like if we look at all of these self-preservation methods, they are really ultimately avoiding rejection and the negative feelings that come along with that in any way, shape or form that it can show itself. But really suffering in silence is, oh my gosh, I think that's one of the worst ones. The amount of people who are willing, able and happy that it it would literally be their pleasure to go out of their way to help you. But because you have decided that you don't want to be rejected or even worse. Another one that I've heard is I don't want somebody to tell people or hold it over my head that they've gotten me to where they've gotten me. And that's another one that is often used as a source of justification as to why people don't ask for help. But don't do it friends. Like, I don't know how else to tell you. Um, 
James Blake in his song, I'll Come To, literally starts off by saying, I'm going to say what I need if it's the last thing I do. And I took that to heart, like tatted on my chest. I'm joking. (laughs) But yeah, it's ingrained and it's deep because you need to ask the amount of that type of self-preservation is actually self-sabotage. Like, heartbreak, the relationship one, bracing yourself, you can still kind of go through life avoiding. But when you keep silent on things you truly, truly, genuinely need, you are agreeing to mediocrity. You are agreeing to stagnation or a snail's pace. Because I'm not saying you won't get it because destiny holds in the way it holds. But something that could be yours if you get off your high horse of self-preservation that also kind of reads like ego and ask somebody who you know has the resources. If you're too scared to do that, so you decide that you're going to take the long route in life, that's horrible. And I do not want you guys to be like that at all. I don't want you guys to suffer in silence. Ask for what you need. Yes, there will be people who will reject you, but I kid you not, for every single person who rejects you, there are five more who are going to say yes. So many people who will be like, wow, for you to even come and consider me to be the one you're asking for this advice is an honor. And it would be my pleasure to not just do what you want, but and then some and then summit, add a little bit more, do exceedingly abundantly far beyond anything you can ask or think. That's actually my theme for this month. My theme for this month is and then some. Every single thing I'm planning for, I'm hoping for, I'm expecting actively to have my mind blown, to think this is the opportunity I'm going in for, and then end up coming out of it with way more. And I kid you not, I have seen in so many ways. I have DM'd people who have then connected me with destiny helpers in line with every single piece of work I need to do. And it wasn't even like I asked them for that. That's not what I came at them with. I probably pitched them my book or did something along those lines. And they were just like, I like you and I'm going to do everything I can for you to, to the full extent of my ability and then some. And I just sit there with my mind blown, humbled and grateful to God for sending me these destiny helpers every single time. And when I look back and I think that if I was too shy or if I was scared of the fact that they would reject me, I wouldn't have asked these questions and I wouldn't have been propelled in this direction. It blows my mind. And the thing with rejection that I really want you guys to consider especially in terms of asking or pitching yourself or putting yourself out there, is that if somebody says no to you, there's no loss to you in that regard. Maybe there's a little bit of a, oh, like a little gut punch or a little pinch, like I wish they had said yes, but there's really no loss to you because they aren't removing anything from you. At the most, they would have maybe added a resource, assistance, a recommendation to you, but in the event that they say no or they ignore you, you are exactly where you were to begin with. So there is absolutely no loss. So I need you guys to ask yourself, how are my self-preservation techniques actually blocking me from reaching my full potential? And full potential in any regard, full potential in life, in love, 
in business, in relationships, in personal development, in any regard? How are these things that I think I'm doing, this whole I don't want to bother someone mentality, this whole I don't need anyone, I want to be an island mentality, this whole I've been hurt before and it sucks so I don't want to be hurt again. How is it blocking you from reaching your full potential? And answer it honestly. If you want to take a picture, uh, a piece of paper and write it down, how are my um, self-preservation techniques actually blocking me from reaching my full potential? Write it down, be honest. And the answer may not be cute, but it'll be honest. And it's the beginning of you getting out of your own way, reframing your thoughts and moving on. And with that, this also, like every episode this week really aligns with the mind, spirit, and body technique. If there's these thoughts that you've had in your mind because somebody has hurt you in the past, somebody has rejected you, somebody has tried to ridicule you or embarrass you, you've had this feeling of fear that you didn't once that you once ignored and it turned out to be true, undo it. Get get it out of your way. Fill that space with something clean, new and fresh and really reframe your thoughts and with that the words to live by is I set my faith before me and what that means is that you're setting your hope for good before you instead of setting your fear before you because sending your fear before you makes you fall back into self-preservation mode it it reminds you why you shouldn't take those steps and With every step you take, you take it with a fear of tripping and falling on your face. And in the literal sense, how crazy that looks is how crazy that thought process is to your life and your purpose and your destiny. So set your faith before you. Thank you guys so, so, so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, to review, to rate, and to share it.